the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of uh, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guys. Me, really rare over the world, Sorrell from a junior. And it feels good to be back. It feels great to be back. I had an amazing time with my time away at a conference. I was actually at the Black Sports Business Symposium in Atlanta with Powered by ESPN. Really, really great event and conference to uh, go and attend and network and talk to a bunch of students, professionals, a bunch of people that are in the sports industry and really talk to them about sports betting because it wasn't a lot of people that really, you know, was into the sports betting thing, but to show people that that is an angle. So it was a really good time, a few days away. Of course, I always kept my eye on the NBA while I was gone, but got my guy, Scott, not Scott. Scott's not <laughs> here with me. Delonte's here with me. Delonte Smith, what's going on? Yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, ready to get into the games. Uh, some interesting stuff happened last night, but well, yesterday, I said, I guess you should say. But uh, yeah, man, looking forward to a better card than it was yesterday, other than the Kings game. Better card than it was yesterday. I was yeah. three and one in my picks yesterday. Yeah, man, I didn't do so well yesterday. Uh, and I think everybody knows the one game that didn't go in my favor, but everything else, I mean, we were 100% there. Why is my app not working? But we were 100% there, and you know. Just recapping the card of what happened yesterday. Philadelphia handles the Brooklyn Nets uh, by 20, 121-101 in the early game of the slate. I mean, I didn't think this series was going to be close. I thought that Brooklyn would be admirable, and I will say it was an admirable attempt early on, but... Ultimately, James Harden, he like I, I felt like he looked a little bit better going into the end of that season, and he showed it. He had a great game. He had like what twenty three and twelve, I believe, and yeah, so, uh, it was like a really nice. Like Paul Reed got the attention and the love he deserved last night. I just feel like everybody just woke up to who Paul Reed is, and it might actually piss me off because we're not going to be able to get sneaky Paul Reed games anymore. But, oh, man, was he – he got his name chanted. He got his name chanted. This is the guy that we have been begging the books to have props on 24-7. It is literally an anomaly when we get a Paul Reed prop. And then the stadium, the arena is chanting his name. Yeah. Shout out to Paul Reed. Yeah, definitely shout out to Paul Reed. So – I, that was um, good on my end. I, I thought that that was going to be a blowout by Philly. Philly leads 1-0 in that series. Next game, we have the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. Celtics won 112-99. Boston leads that series by one. It was over by halftime. Yeah, Atlanta made it interesting a little bit later. They cut it to, I think, 11 with uh, probably about like five or six minutes to go. But mm-hmm. Boston just like counter punched it and they pushed it back to 20 and then Atlanta pushed it back down to, I think they got within 12, almost a few shots away from actually covering the 10. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty much over. They were up 30 at halftime. I think that was the largest Boston uh, lead since the 85 finals. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That's what I've seen. But yeah, man, pretty much was a mismatch. 
Yeah, complete different outcome from the Miami Heat playing game where they out-rebounded Miami. I believe it was 63-39. They got out-rebounded by Boston 58-45 in this game. So you're not winning many games like that. New York Knicks go on the road and are the lone road team to get a win today. 101-97 in Cleveland. Knicks lead the series 1-0. I think Cleveland might be in trouble. And Uh, I say that because a lot of things went right for Cleveland. They still didn't get the win. You had a Julius Randle who got off to a hot start and then cooled off. You had a Jalen Brunson who was in foul trouble for the first half. And then in the second half took over. And as you look at it, that one, two between Brunson and Randle, I don't even like the Knicks haven't had that in the playoffs in an extremely long amount of time, like extremely long amount of time. They haven't had a one like Randall was able to take over the first half. Brunson was able to come in the second half. Josh Hart had had a good, consistent contribution over the in the entire course of the game. I mean, RJ Barrett was the only person to go out there and sell you. I mean, even quickly didn't even took 0 for 5, 0 for 2 from 3. Like, I don't know. I think. Ugh, that that was an ugly game by the Knicks, and they still got the win on the road. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it just looked like the Knicks was just out physical in uh, the Cavs, and that's usually physicality is usually the Cavs thing too. So, uh, I mean, for whatever reason, like JB was having Seti Osman on Brunson late in the games, like late in the game, like three possessions in a row. Brunson was just ice because Okora was getting cooked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what I mean, else are you gonna do? Okoro was getting cooked. I mean, but that was your, that's have... your best on-ball defender. That's your best yeah. on-ball defender for a guard, and he's getting cooked the entire game. You got to yeah. do something else. I mean, Seti Osman wasn't it? You could tell that from the first from the first triple. Like he was getting Jalen Brunson was getting like separation. I mean, it was pretty much a mismatch because if they put Garland on him, he was putting him in the post, turn around jumper. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think the Knicks play well, and they still, like you said, they still won. Um, Late in the game, there was some Julius Randle stuff that I didn't like, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of Knicks fans don't like a lot of Julius Randle stuff late in the game. But I just felt like the Knicks took it to them physic- like physically. Uh, they just imposed their will. The Cavs, they're just pretty much relying on too, – too relying on Donovan Mitchell, and they don't have enough wings. Like, I mean, that was the issue with them. That's the issue I had with them anyway this whole year. They don't have any wing dip. So, like you said, Okoro was off his game. Uh, defensively and couldn't hit a shot offensively. Uh, Mobley was okay defensively. He did a really good job on, on Randall after the first quarter. Uh, other than that, man, it's pretty much a Donovan Mitchell show. And some of those guys are going to have to step up if they want to you know, get back in the series or win a game at home. Experience means a lot. Experience means a lot. First playoff game for everybody except Donovan Mitchell, Karis mm-hmm. LeVert. Rubio, pretty can't. Don't think anybody else has been in the playoff game on that. Yeah, well, Scott was saying that. Um, I think yesterday we were talking about it that uh, Allen was in the bubble with Brooklyn. I think, but I mean, I technically I don't know if that's. Oh, okay. So yeah, so Jared Allen may yeah. So Jared like, yeah, he didn't yeah play, So he might. Okay, so maybe you th- you count out, but Mobley, Garland, those are your two other scorers. Those guys never been in playoff games before. Mobley, four for 13 from the field. Garland, better game, seven for 13, 17 points. Only one assist. You're not going to win games like that, which with Darius Garland having one assist in the game. 
All right, last game of the slate, probably best game of the slate. Sacramento gets it done at home like the beam. First playoff win in forever. First playoff game in forever. 126-123. Sacramento was actually so locked into this game that they took the time to kick E40 out from courtside. So Damn, did they for real? Yes, they did. They 100% kicked E40 off the court side. He uh, got into an altercation with the lady. And you should just read a statement. It's like, <laughs> but they did take the time to get E40 out of court side. They, they end up getting the wind. I mean, it went uh, exactly how the script I had it going of Golden State imposed their will early. This was a really close back and forth game for the majority of the game. But Sacramento did what it does. And I think the funny part about this is that that might have been one of Golden State's best performances on the road all season. Even though the metrics of shooting, like they were like 16 for 50 from three, uh, I want to say, what were they on the glories? Like it, it just the match, the numbers don't say it, but watching the game and watching how they kind of back and forth stayed in that game the whole time, I think they feel a lot more optimistic about their performance on the road. Andrew Wiggins didn't look like he pl- didn't play basketball for two months. Like, so I think people are now buying into this being a close series or Sacramento potentially winning. And I'm just glad I was on the right side beforehand. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game, to be honest. I thought that Golden State might blow them out at the, I think it was middle of the third, um, maybe middle of the third, whenever they were up 10, and, like, Steph came off a pin down, knocked down a three. I thought it was, like, danger time um, for, for the Kings, but... They kept fighting. They're gonna have to make some adjustments. Mike Brown definitely might not be as serious for Keegan Murray. He just he couldn't stay on the court. Like defensively, he was getting beat. Like I mean, they're already not good defensively as it is, but he was getting like torched. Back screen, no effort really on defense. So he played. I think I think he played under twenty minutes if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Now obviously Malik Monk was a big contributor. So you know that was that was that, and he has the ability to do that in spurts. Um, he should still be a Laker, but whatever. Um, who else? Uh, Herder didn't play that well. I don't think the Kings played that well, to be honest. Sabonis missed like 25 layups. Uh, Fox was amazing in the second half, didn't have it in the first half. Um, I just think the Kings didn't put together a full display of what they are other than that fourth quarter. Like that fourth quarter, they were locked, like totally locked in and getting things done. But Fox pretty much carried them. Lyles had a big game. He was humongous for them. Uh, I don't think he missed a shot. Uh, in the game, but he was huge for them off the bench. Him and Monk carried him. I'm worried to see. I, I don't like the Davion Mitchell minutes. I understand it, but I don't like it because, I mean, he's on the court, not really offensively uh, talented, so that's just less. But, but his what he does defensively carries that. It, it, if you watched him against Steph, Steph actually took the more the most difficult shots. He was still making them because he's Steph yeah, Curry, yeah, but yeah. he was taking a lot of difficult shots when Davion Mitchell was in the game. And I was actually looking and saying, well, if Kevin Herter's going to be 3 for 12 from the field, why would you not have Davion Mitchell in the starting lineup to at least 
help being able to slow down Steph Curry because they tried a bunch of different things with Steph. Yeah, there was a box and one with yeah. the Iron Fox. Mm-hmm. There, uh, they moved over into a zone at one point. They tried a whole bunch of different looks trying to get Steph to give the ball up out of his hands and be able to face guard and keep the ball out of his hands. But as they said last night, and it was one of the things that stuck with me and that I've always known is the defense on Steph starts when he gives the ball up. Like that's when defense on him starts. You don't get a break like at all. And so Davion Mitchell, I think he took that. I wonder wonder what the metrics actually were, but I think he took that matchup a little bit better than anybody else. And they may need to increase his minutes because of that and then just rely. And I have thoughts. I'll just save that to the next time we have a Kings and and Warriors game. I have a lot of thoughts on what adjustments I think they should make. But before we get into the actual slate of games for today, Got to talk to you about Shady Rays, kicking the new year off with our friends at Shady Rays. From the sun to the slopes with premiums, polarized shades, and customizable snow goggles. You have everything. They have an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, replacement plan where you lose them, you break them. Even day one, they will send you a new pair, no questions asked. Look. Tap in with Shady Rays. If you don't love them, get a new pair, exchange them, or get a return. Get your money back for free within 30 days. No risk. There's no risk with Shady Rays. ShadyRays.com. Use promo code SGPN for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars over 200,000 people. All right. Let's do this. We are back into today's NBA slate. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies begin their series in Memphis, 3 p.m. on the East Coast, 12 p.m. on the West. ABC is where this game is today. I I actually hate their coverage of games. (laughs) All right. So Memphis minus four opened up at three. Now it's bet up to four. 228 and a half is the total. That total has come up one point as well. Injury report for these two teams. And we have here on the Underdog Network, LeBron James is probable. Anthony Davis is probable. Dennis Schroeder is probable. More than likely, all those guys can play. We have Santi Aldama, not on the injury report for an elbow injury. Jake LaRuvia's out. And we know we're not seeing Steven Adams. So, Lakers fan, I will kick it over to you. you <laughs> yeah, have, I, You're getting four points on the road in a game one. Yeah, interesting matchup for sure uh, between these two teams. Uh, the Lakers won and covered two of the three uh, in the regular season. I mean, some of that stuff is just like, you know, lineup based as far as people being in and out. Uh, I won't run through that because it's, it's too much. But uh, I, both of their wins came when, you know, the Memphis wasn't at full, full strength, whether it was without Adams or Ja or whatever. But three competitive games for sure. Um, I think basically the physicality and how the Lakers or how Memphis keeps the Lakers off the free throw line is going to be huge. So Jaron Jackson Jr. in the three matchup, he averaged five fouls per game. So that's going to be a humongous issue um, with AD. AD still dominated while he was in the game, but the foul trouble was having him limited as a primary defender. So that's going to be key. So make sure you watch out for some Jaron Jackson stuff. I mean, Memphis at home is really good, 23-16-2 ATS. Uh, the Lakers, you know, a little bit under 500, 19-21 ATS on the road. The thing I was looking at with Memphis is short spreads at home. So any spread, I, I just filtered it out, the spreads of four and a half and under, they're six one and one ATS in home games. So 
they pretty much are automatic at home. They got a great home court. Their defense is probably going to give the Lakers some issues. Um, second in defensive rating. They do a good job of, you know, defending without fouling middle middle tier. So that's what they're going to have to focus on the most. I mean, the Lakers, they just they get to the free throw line, they get inside. So if Memphis can limit that, which is easier said than done, I think they can cover this number. So I like Memphis first quarter and full game here. All right. Let's see here. So there's a lot to look at here. And I think that the matchup is going to be interesting because there is no Steven Adams this go around. And Steven Adams, like we know Steven Adams, Brandon Clark really, really helped that rebounding for the Memphis Grizzlies and the rebounding edge is not there without those two. I think it's time to play a game. I think <laughs> it is time to play a game. And, the, I mean, the world already knows what's going on. The world already knows, but I'm just going to let you know that when we look at the crew chief for today, it is one number 48 <laughs> from some know-nothing town in some know-nothing state that nobody really cares about, Scott Foster. So we have Scott Foster as the crew chief here. Eric Lewis is backing him up and Aaron Smith as well. So... I, you know, me being the scuba diver that I scuba diver that I am, I was very curious on what Scott Foster's impact in this game was going to be. And so I went to go look it up. And the Lakers are actually four and five with Scott Foster as the referee. Very interesting. What are their free throw attempts? You know, you have that? Memphis is 10 and three in the playoffs with Scott Foster as a referee. Seven and three is a dog. Three and oh is a favorite. So there's a huge discrepancy in those numbers right there. Add Eric Lewis to the conversation. Eric Lewis even has a 5-1 record to Memphis in the playoffs, which I just thought that was hilarious in its own right. So Memphis is also 5-1 to Scott Lewis as well. Not Scott Lewis, but uh, Eric Lewis as well. And where's uh, the Lakers on this list? 2-2 uh, two two, uh, Lewis to the Lakers as well. So, referees lean to the Grizzly side in this game. I think what I'm really, really curious about, and it is the foul, it is the fouling. But I think the fouling issue can go both ways because if we think about what John Morant does in the playoffs, he is super aggressive. Like, you're not getting a timid John Morant. John Morant is not a person that is shying away from the spotlight. We've seen him in the playoff series against Minnesota. We've seen him in the playoff series against Golden State. We can even go back a year before that. We saw him in the playoff series against Utah, where it seemed like he was going to make sure he went out there and tried to pull this team to a win. And if John Morant is playing like that, I know John Morant is getting inside the paint. I know John Morant is challenging any big, doesn't matter who it is on the other side, anybody that's standing in between him and the rim, and he's trying to literally and figuratively put them on a poster. And so with that, I am very curious to see the adjustments by the Lakers to actually guard the painted area. Uh, looking at a larger sample size of 
the past 10 games in, to end the regular season for the Lakers, they are actually – where are they at? 20th in opponent points in the paint, 53.8. If you know anything about this Memphis team, they're going to score in the paint. That is how they make their bread and butter. They've been one of the top teams scoring in the paint all season. And if you take that same 10-game sample size just to give me some more room to weed out some of those no-nothing games that didn't mean anything, still third in the NBA, 58.2 points per game. So this, I think that this is going to be a battle all night inside the trenches, inside the paint. With these two referees and how they do like to call fouls, there could be a lot of attempts at the line. I think that I think this is a close one. I'm concerned about the points, but I'm still going to lay it with Memphis. I think Memphis is going to get it done today. Yeah, I'll play probably play Memphis on the money line because they're literally the worst free throw shooting team in the NBA. Uh, so backdoor could be open. I know it's probably. I mean, some people don't like to lay a lot of juice. I don't mind if if it's going to be. You know, I could see it being somewhat of a. A backdoor, it could be up five or six, and uh-huh. you know, they get a, a layup. I mean, but literally, Memphis is horrible at free throws. Like, they are horrible at it. Desmond Bain, I think, is the best free throw shooter other than Kennard, and Kennard might not be on the floor late in game. So, you just take that into consideration whenever you, um, whenever you bet in it. So, I, I'm probably going to be on the money line, just split a unit, half unit on the money line, half unit on the on the spread. Let me see here. I think it's 165. You can get like 160, 170 in between that number. If I'm not no, yeah, I see it's like 175. I'm just looking at, um, yeah, Desmond Bain this season at home, at least. No, what's, what's his actual season? 88.3% from the field. But I think the one that matters the most is Ja. And we know Ja, a little bit lower, 74.8%. Mm-hmm. Decent. You would like to see a little bit higher, but that's decent. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., another guy, 78.8%. Dylan Brooks, looking at his field goal percentage, 77.9%. Kind of want to stay in that 80% sweet spot in this game, especially a game that more than likely is probably going to be close. But, again, I'm very – I think that there's – I'm very interested to see the experience difference with a group that's played together in the playoffs and had a deep playoff run last year opposed to – the Lakers that just put this team together this year. And you're looking, I mean, how many people are making their first postseason, like playing heavy minutes in their first postseason for real, for real? Like, mm, well, I know for sure. Reeves, Vanderbilt. Reeves, yeah. Reeves. Um, Beasley. Um, Hachimura. Yeah. Um, Lonnie Walker. Well, Lonnie Walker was in the play-in, but that don't count. So, um, no, this is, this is, this is the start of a seven game series. Like, you yep. know, yep. Troy Brown, he's, has he been in the play? He might have been in that playoff with Houston maybe right? last year. Uh, I think he might have been. Did he play with, with Houston um, with that Harden team? Like off Troy the Brown? No, no, I have Troy Brown from uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. He played with Washington and Chicago. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Total sitting at 228.5. What do you like there? I like the under. Uh, I think both teams going to be physical, like at the point of attack. Uh, at home, Memphis is 54% to the under. Now, the Lakers are 63% in road games to the over, but in this setting, I think they want to get the ball to AD in the paint, try to get some foul trouble with Jim Jackson. Uh, usually, 
I mean, the Lakers in transition, they pretty much like to run off of uh, live rebounds. But anything other than that, they don't force turnovers. So they're not going to get, you know, easy baskets like that. But I just think Memphis is going to be superior in controlling the tempo and being able to score in the half court. I don't love their half court offense, but the Lakers half court defense isn't um, what it usually is. So I like the under. I think we get a, you know, a 107, 110 type of game. I'm not going under with Scott Foster and Eric. Well, let's 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 finish the game. We didn't play a game. Let's let's finish the game of what ref is it anyways? And I told you the ref Scott Foster, Eric Lewis, and Aaron Smith. Let's go ahead and go through their their betting slips splits for the NBA this season. Let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see here. Pulling up my handy dandy NBA ref finder and we have towards the over under Scott Foster 37 and 21 to the over is he the best over ref Does I think he be? is I think I think Scott was talking about that too he's towards the top of the list not the best but he's towards the top of the list 37 and 21 giving up 31 to 31.8 points per game we go over to Eric Lewis, who is 31 and 32. Actually, it's 227 and a half points per game. And Aaron Smith right under him at 31 and 32 as well. 230.4 points per game for Smith. So we have everybody that's hit the opening line. Everybody hits the opening line. Lewis is 227 and a half. I'm going I'm going over. I think that we're going to see a whole bunch of fouls. But I'm just going to go ahead and assume that in game 1 that they're making those free throws and that that's going to the total. They're so, they're constantly stopping the game and adding to the total, adding to the total, adding to the total. I am we'll talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. in just a second, but I am curious about Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm curious about you know, Vanderbilt, especially how active he is defensively. Can John Morant get him in trouble and get him out of the game? I'm very, very curious about both of these teams. But ultimately, I feel like that the whistle is going to be whistling. Like, the whistle is going to be whistle. It's going to be like, blow the whistle. <laughs> blow the whistle. <laughs> well, man, I suck at whistling. But, yeah, nah, they finna be out there. Like, the Turkers is finna be come on the court because there's going to be so many whistles called in this game. The Turkers going to be on the court twerking. And they'll be like, hey, hey, is this the dance team? No, 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 no. They just heard the whistle and decided to turn up. So, all right, I'm going over. 228 and a half. Props, props, props. I'll just go ahead and talk about it because I alluded to it. I don't know if I want to be on Jaron Jackson Jr. today. Yeah, man, I'll pray for you if you are. I think it I think it's just the fact of I know how good and it's nothing against him. It's because I know how good he is. I know how active he is around the rim. I know he is going to take the challenge of Anthony Davis. Extremely personal. But that could very well get him out the game with three <laughs> fouls in the first half. So I I kind of wanted to find the way to play it. I know that there is like a tale of two halves and, you know, see what Brunson Brunson had early foul trouble and then came in the second half and blew his points, you know, finished with 27 cash his points prop. I think how I'm going to play Jaron Jackson Jr. today is I'm going to take the under on his seven and a half rebounds. 
because there's a number of different ways that I can see me getting there. One, he's active on the defensive end. So nine times out of 10, he's probably he, like we're at home. So the blocks angle is still there. So he's punting shots into the second row and doesn't have the opportunity to rebound. And also the fact that he may not be in this game for a full allotment because they know they have to attack him and get him in foul trouble to make it easier on the rest of the team. And so I think that's how I'll play Jaron Jackson Jr. today under his seven and a half rebounds minus 105. That's a great. That's a great play. Um, I got a couple. I like Desmond Bain over four and a half assists. It's actually a plus money. You can get plus one twenty. He's been over in seven of the last eight games. Pretty much was increasing his playmaking in Jaws' absence. Uh, and he's kept it up since then. Average five per game uh, in the month of March. And you know, with the Lakers having pretty much an elite three point defense, they're a top three and defending the three. They'll likely try to run them off the line and you know force them to be you know creative or create for others or you know get to the basket. Now early on in his career and maybe even this season, that probably would be you know you know on the scouting port to do the bane. But now he's pretty much getting familiar and he's capable of you know setting up others. So I like him over four and a half assists at plus money. Um, love Tyus Jones. This number I think is really really short. Ten and a half points and assists. Uh, he averaged twelve point three in. Um, in 80 games uh, with John Morant in the lineup. So, you know, that's throughout that's throughout his career. So he's went over this number in, you know, 10 of the last 18 games. The Lakers struggle defending point guards. We can go down a list of the guards. We've seen what Mike Conley did to them. Uh, we all know John. I think John's going to have extreme success. And also Tyus with the backups. I think he's going to be uh, extremely effective off the bench. Um, he had a 12 and 6. He should, well, he should be in line for like 12 and 6. He averaged 17 points and assists um, in the, the recent games. Now, one of those games were without job, but, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. And uh, I like Xavier Tillman, double-double. You alluded to Jaron Jackson's foul trouble. Um, you can get Xavier Tillman anywhere from, I guess, 350 to like 420. So just shop around for, you know, the best number. He had success against the Lakers this year, posted two double-doubles. He had 18 and 11, 11 and 10 in the three matchups likely to be getting extended minutes um, due to the lack of size and depth in the interior. Uh, Triple J's foul trouble, I mean, it's always going to be an issue. We all went over it. So I think Tillman is going to be a prime candidate to be on the floor early and often. So I look for him to get a double-double. If you don't like the double-double, you want to go somewhat conservative, I would go with his points and rebounds over. Yeah, I'm good. I'm so good on Tillman. I'm, <laughs> I'm just straight, bro. He he just, his impact, I just understand that his impact to the game does is not codified on the stat sheet like it just doesn't get codified on the stat sheet and what he does he you'll sit there and look at it i mean i wonder what he did when he was probably getting more minutes to the end of the season um, but he, uh, yeah he, and he i mean it's, 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 it's straight but i mean he like you said if, if jaron jackson is gonna be in foul trouble i mean they gotta play somebody big yeah no but that's and that's why i you know me coming from the deep dive that I do, Santi Aldama has always been the guy that I pivoted to when I'm looking for a rebounds prop because, one, I'm getting a better number. I need Aldama at 04 and a half. He plays a very solid amount of minutes when, um, with this new lineup of no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. He's found himself in about, you know, a lot of games, 20 to 30-minute territories, depending on who's all playing, who's out, anything like that, who's in foul trouble. But I can, I know I can pencil him in for a good 17 to 20 minutes. And four and a half rebounds as, you know, 
what is at that point in the lineup, the only big they have, like he's still about seven feet. The only big they have, he's just able to stretch the floor as well. And so uh, a lot of those rebounds aren't on the offensive end. They're more all him hanging around the defensive glass, but, yeah, no, Abdama's always been a guy that I've been able to back rebounds. You just going through his rebound split towards the end of the season, and I'm going to go a little bit extended so we can get a larger sample size of when they were actually trying it when they weren't. But 1, 11, 3, 8, 8, 5, 4, 6, 1, 14, 3, 5, 4. Like, you know, he he's active around the rim. So I like Adama over four and a half. I think that if I was going to take a shot on double-double, I'd probably take Santi Adama over Tillman. And maybe that's just me being butthurt over Tillman, never doing anything when I decide to bet on him. But Adama's always felt like the better option for me with just who's probably on the floor when he's on the floor. Yeah. Oh, let me just correct myself. So uh, Tyus Jones, 12.3. Um, points and assists in 60 games with John Morant, not 80. Sorry about that. Okay. That's all the, right. That's the season only, though. Uh, I mean, outside of all the people that everybody job, Bron. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the Lakers. Like, uh, Darvin Ham, his rotations are, like, atrocious. So, I don't know who he's going to play at what time. So, I stayed off the Laker props. Um, You never know who he's going to play, like, He'll play Rui for 20 minutes one game. They'll come back and play Gabriel for 20 minutes. He'll play Lonnie Walker for 15. He'll play whoever. Like So I'm kind of iffy about the Laker props. I kind of want to see the rotations and who gets cut out um, and who's you know increasing their minutes. So I kind of want to see it first before I dive in to Lakers props. Probably be on some in game two. John Morant, triple-double, I see at... 11-1. Wow, really? It's the same odds as Brian. That's weird. All right. Um, I think it's a chance, but I would like to see more on that. Okay. Let's move on to, because we took entirely too long with that game, but before we get to the rest of the slates, let me talk to you about Sword Vitality, because self-care and Oh, man, I'm telling you that some of these old guys around the league are going to need the sword vitality to get through the playoffs. (laughs) Now, Patrick Beverly said that he did not take he didn't do anything before games. He was trying to make sure that he had fresh legs. Well, Patrick Beverly's sitting at home right now. So obviously that didn't work. So, fellas, if you need it, just go ahead, pop you a sword vitality, and go get some action before the game today. Honestly, I know y'all listening to this. I know you are. Y'all are listening. And y'all go pop you one and go get you some action. You you might actually, I mean, the blood flow that you have going through the entire course of your body, the stamina increase that sword vitality gets you, you might have one of the best games of your life. Somebody said they like Luke Kennard over nine and a half points. I heard Luke Kennard might have a little bit of issues and he might pop a sword vitality and go out there and hit six or seven threes this game. So just understand that sword vitality is going to make you the better person and it's going to help your boners. It's going to help everything you need because, look, this is not just an issue for you. This is an issue for the people. Unsheath your sword. Visit swordvitality.com. Use promo code SGPN for a nice discount at checkout. That's swordvitality.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Talkify. So after you get your sword vitality, you got to find a suitable user. 
And so Talkify can help you do that because they are committed to helping 80% of their clients meet their fir- their person and within the first 12 matches. So sort of vitality, Talkify, first 12 matches, bing, bada, boom, you are good. Look, here's how it works. Talkify matchmakers meet with you. They learn what you're looking for in a partner, all of this stuff. And then you have the potential to background check, video screening, all this stuff. Ask the questions that you need that are too tough for a first date. They do all they do all of that for you. And you can just go out there and enjoy yourself. Right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client. You at talkify.com slash SGPN. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash SGPN. 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash SGPN. All right. Let's move on to the next game of the slate. And that is who has the next one? The Miami Heat going to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks are laying nine and a half. 220 is the total here in this game. Injury report for these two teams. And we have for the Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Milton, Grayson Allen, Pat Connington, all expected to go. Not on the injury report with their injuries. For the Miami Heat, Gabe Vincent is questionable. Kyle Lowry expects to play. All right. Miami Heat make it out of make it out of the play-in, barely. <laughs> and now they find themselves in Milwaukee for yet another playoff series. Last right. time that they were in Milwaukee for a playoff series, they did not win a game. <laughs> like not a single game. What do you like here with the Heat catching nine and a half on the road? Man, I saw I'm intrigued to see the matchup um of of this game but i'm not intrigued to bet it at all uh i would probably just lean them to the miami heat uh to catch a nine and a half i think spolster is one of the better game planners game of in-game adjusters that are in the nba still so i think it's a coaching advantage against bud so the only difference is one team has Giannis. well the biggest difference one team has Giannis, the other team doesn't and i think in the last two meetings in the playoffs Whoever won this series went to the NBA playoffs. I mean, to the NBA finals. Like in the bubble, the Heat won. They went to the playoffs. They went to the finals. Uh, two years ago, the Bucks swept them. They went to the finals. Now, opposite ends of the spectrum, obviously, the Heat lost and the Bucks won. But, I mean, I'm worried about the Middleton injury. Like, I know he. they say he's, you know, back good, but I'm kind of worried about that. And if that's one less thing that Spo has the game plan for and the defense has to – you know, worry about, then they can just cave in on Giannis and try to try to make him, you know, play in a crowd and make other guys beat him. But ultimately, I think, you know, the Bucks take care of business in the series. But I think it can be competitive with some of the familiarity that they had. Uh, they split two matchups. Uh, well, they split four matchups, two each, but the Miami Heat won, obviously, without Giannis in both of those games. So not much to take from that. I just, uh, something telling me just lean to the Heat. I don't love it. But I'll lean that way. Uh, nothing strong though. Just hoping that they can make some threes and, and get my—I mean—get uh, Milwaukee in a half-court game. So I lean to—I lean to the Heat. Nothing strong at all though. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm on the Milwaukee Bucks on this side. I think the Bucks roll in Game One, and it's ultimately because of 
I trust this team. There's not a lot of teams that I trust coming off rest, but I trust this Milwaukee team coming off of the rest just with the fact of the Knicks and banged up. We talk about Chris Middleton. You talk about Grayson Allen, who had an ankle turn. You talk about Pat Connington, who also, like, all these guys, especially those three, provide a level of outside shooting that is going to be necessary to, to run away from this game with the Miami Heat. That's where you it has been. You have been able to challenge the Heat all year. Is they're defending the outside shot. They've been you know middle of the pack during certain, for the majority of the year, but they've had different stretches here or there where they've been really really bad defending the three point line. And I think that with Giannis in this game, with a Drew Holiday, with a Bobby Portis coming off the bench and going in, into the inside, and we know how all these guys can kind of pass out of the post and get open. Sh- they can spread the ball around and get the ball open to their open to their open looks. I I really, really do question the Miami Heat's defense in this game and being able to handle all the options that the Bucks can throw at you. Now, this Heat team is not a team that goes away. This, this Heat team is not a team that just goes lying down. But ultimately, I think that defensively, the Bucks match up very well, that they are going to be able to throw a lot of bodies in the paint, that they'll be able to keep up with the guards on the outside, and I don't think that Kyle Lowry is going to come out here and have this incredible magical game like he did early on in the play-in. And I I think that slowing down Jimmy Butler is going to be a key for them. I I like the I like Milwaukee to kind of run away with this. I think this is a closer game, maybe around halftime, but in that second half before we get to the even fourth quarter. This starts to get a little bit of out of hand, and it's just because of I don't know if Miami's going to get enough stops. I think that there's going to be too many times that Milwaukee's going to find themselves with an open shooter knocking down a shot, and that's really going to kill any run that the Heat might go on in this game. So I'm taking I'm taking the Bucks here, minus the 9.5. I'm not afraid to lay the points with them in this one. Uh, totals at 220. What do you like there? I like the under. Uh, both teams, slower-paced teams, uh, bottom three in transition points per possession on offense. Uh, let me see. Miami's twenty eight, Milwaukee's twenty ninth, so they walk it up a lot. Like they're playing the half court. Um, fifty, oh no, fifty nine percent of the road games have went under for Miami. But something that I've been noticing is they've been playing with a lot more pace. I don't know, maybe it's the teams that they were playing. You know, they played Atlanta, and I mean, even to a certain extent, they played Chicago. It was a slower paced game, but I felt like they were running a little bit more. So seven of the last ten and a half went over. Um, but just a bigger sample size, obviously, of you know the entire totality of the season. Um, they usually are under team um, on the road. At home, Milwaukee is you know 61% to the over. That's mostly because they just come out and score like 125, 130 on teams. And I give the Heat defense a little bit more credit. I don't think that the Milwaukee Bucks will score like 120 on them. So I like the under. Uh, both teams, top 10 defensive rating. Milwaukee – can well Miami can battle on the boards a little bit with him. It just depends on which Bam shows up. Uh, if he's you know aggressive and, and into it, and you know, we've seen him in, against the Chicago Bulls, he had like eighteen or nineteen rebounds. If I'm not mistaken, now he didn't do anything else, but um, he's going to be the primary defender on on Giannis. So that's going that's going to be a lot of energy taken away from his offensive ends. So I'll probably look at some some Bam unders. I know we're on the total, but I'll probably look at some Bam unders uh, on his points. But I like the under overall in the game. Um, I think I'm on the opposite side of you again, and I'm going, I think I like the over in this one. And I just, 
I don't have the same enthusiasm over the Miami Heat's defense this year. I'm not even gonna hold you. I I think that they're they have their moments where it's like, oh yeah, this is the Miami Heat. Yeah, they do play really good defense. But then there's other moments where it's just like everything feels very lackadaisical. Everything feels very eh, like. Now, I don't trust the Miami Heat to keep up their level of scoring all the time, but this is a rather, I mean, this is a solid 220. And if we want to play a game of ref or no ref, we have Tony Brothers here who, um, looking at Tony Brothers and his splits on the ref report, 36 and 27 to 34.7 points per game. You also have Michael Smith. And in the booth for them as well, 27-27, points per game. And we have Tyler Ford. I'm pretty sure Tyler Ford is over ref as well. Yep, 39 and 24, 230 points per game. So two refs, three refs that have more of a trend to higher to higher points total in the spectrum here. I think that the Milwaukee Bucks, while this may be a slow pace game, I think that they're going to be very effective in their slow pace in this game and being able to score on multiple and multiple possessions. And yeah, I'm, I, 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 I kind I just don't like taking any large favorites in their team total, but I could really see Milwaukee putting up 125 on, uh, the heat today so i'm gonna just go over and just assume that the heat actually contribute their level of scoring to i like the over 220 in this one and it looks like the line moves in my favor as well opened up at 218 and a half and it's up to 220 all right props what props do you like uh i like hero over 20 and a half points you know he's back back in his home state i think he he generally plays with it averages about 16 and a half points per game uh in milwaukee um they're going to need – I mean, they're going to need his scoring. They're going to need contribution from their big three. Uh, well, i put that in quotation marks. So uh, he's going to have to produce. Also on the opposite side, like Lopez, over 20.5 points and rebounds. The Heat are a smaller team, so with Bam matched up on Giannis, I assume it will be open up You know, the lane for Lopez to have an eight or nine rebound game. And they play drop coverage a lot, and Brooke is – Excellent at shooting a three, so I think he drains a few threes in the process. So over twenty and a half, I think, is a bargain pretty much in this um, in this matchup. I am going back to my guy Bobby Portis. He, I think, he's going to have a really good game in this one, and just being able to eat on and feast on the teams coming off the bench. He's had pretty good games against them, uh, majority when he's in the starting lineup, but. Over ten and a half points, like that's just been a play that I feel like people remember. I'm always calling for a Bobby Porter's game, Bobby Porter's double double, all that thing. I think his double double is like forty forty, yeah, four to one. Like I think that that's even an in play and a possibility in this one. Uh, let's see here. I kind of want to go to Jimmy. I feel like this is like I can really see a script where this is like Jimmy's the only person that's contributing for the Heat. But they'll get blown out if they if, if that's the case. I so. really feel like I see a script where Jimmy is the only person contributing for the Heat. But uh, let's see here. What did? Hold on, I'm missing something. Where's my stuff? All right, let me see here. Do I want to fade Kyle Lowry today in memory of Scott Rusho? 
he had nine. Oh no, no, no. He had five. That, uh, I knew he came back with five, like some weeks points total. But yeah, we go back. We go back to Fate and Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry under eight and a half points. You can get that at plus money in some places. I'm looking at. Is he even playing? Like I know he sat for most of the that, that uh, second half. I mean, he's yeah. It, it says he's not on. He's expected to play. He's not on oh, injury okay. report. Expected to play. Well, I think it's like questionable or something like that, but it looks like he's expected to play. So a hurt Kyle Lowry, I'll take the, I'll definitely love my chances in fading him. I kind of want to get there on Tyler here under 20 and a half, but I don't feel that bold. I just think that this is a difficult matchup for him. I think they're going to be able to throw bodies that can keep up with them and keep him off guard in this, in this game. Uh, Yeah, I think that's about it for me. I mean, outside of the regular players, you know, I like Giannis. I think Giannis is still... Gonna and I and I think the line the books are reflecting to the Heat's defense on Giannis. They dropped his points total all the way to twenty nine and a half. And I'm sure people probably came in and bet the under, thinking the Heat are going to play really good defense against Giannis. But I'm I'm really good on betting against Giannis. I don't have to do that. And we'll see. I'm not going to offer any thoughts on Bam Adebayo today. I know people are waiting to hear it. People are waiting to see it. I'm not going to offer any thoughts. And if you bet him, best of luck. And if he sells you, then, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's the game is the game. Uh, a lot of people from The Wire have taught me that, that the game is the game. All right, let's move on to the next game of Slate while we're talking about the game. And we have the Los Angeles Clippers going to play the Phoenix Suns in the Valley. For game one of their series, this line opened up at eight. Now it's at seven minus seven and a half. Two twenty-five and a half is the total injury report for these two teams. And we have for the Los Angeles Clippers. Marcus Morris is not on the injury report. You know you're not seeing Paul George. And for the Suns, campaign is questionable. Biz Biombo is not on the injury report. TJ Warren is not on the injury report. All right. I have buried this Clippers team for a while. I have also come on this show and said I do not think that they will win a game. If there was ever a game that they could win, that I think they would have the best opportunity of winning, it's this one right here. This is it. And I am willing to take the Clippers in this game and ultimately say that because I, I just I think that when you watch this game, I think this is going to be similar to, you know, some of the good games that we had yesterday where I feel like this, the Clippers are going to give you their best shot in this game. Like you are going to get the Clippers best shot in this game. Kawhi Leonard is going to be hitting his shot. Russell Westbrook's not going to be a turnover machine, not going to be taking very bad shots in this game. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to have a solid performance. While it may not show up on the stat sheet when you look at maybe his percentages and how he's shooting and his gameplay, I think Russell Westbrook is going to have a better game this game. I think the team as a whole, defensively, they're going to step up to the challenge of taking on Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul. I think the team as a whole, defensively, is going to look solid. I think that you're going to see a lot of very, very good things from the Clippers in this first game of the series. And they're probably still going to lose. (laughs) And then, 
all that everybody that bought in on Clippers tickets, everybody that said the Suns can't be this big of a favorite, the Suns, I know the Suns have Kevin Durant, but they don't have the chemistry. All those people that thought that they were talking, that they were some type of sharp talking about this and and taking the Clippers in this series, saying the Clippers have a chance to beat the Suns in this series and moving on or make this even close. They all are going to feel extremely stupid because you're going to get the best game the Clippers are probably going to put forth in this entire series in this game, and they're probably still going to lose. So, I like Clippers plus seven and a half. I will sprinkle on the money line for shits and giggles. I will do it for shits and giggles. I think that this is a two-point, three-point win by the Phoenix Suns. They figure it out in the fourth quarter. They end up deferring to one of either Devin Booker or Kevin Durant, and they probably carry them through the fourth quarter, and they get the win, and the Clippers go back into the locker room probably feeling good about themselves because they played a good game for probably three quarters, and then it sets in that, holy crap, we just played a really, really good game, and we still lost. We have no chance in this series. So Clippers plus 7.5 is my play. Yeah, I like Clippers uh, tonight too, or today, whenever the game is. Yeah, I like the Clippers. Um, I just I, I gotta see. I, I want to see how Tyron Lue plays it and what he does with the rotations and how he guards Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. The thing with the the Suns is, I I think that Kevin Durant obviously obviously is one of the greatest um, scorers of all time. What like what he does defensively and what he has done defensively since he's been there. Obviously, it's a small sample size, only eight games. But their defensive rating is one hundred nine point six whenever he's in the lineup. Without him, it's one it's one fourteen point three. So what he does is he's able to anchor the defense with Aiton and allows him to be switchable on the wings. Now with one less player in Paul George, you just basically the focus is on Kawhi. Now some of those guys are gonna get hit, get hit shots like Powell and uh, maybe Eric Gordon, Batum. But I think I think Phoenix will live with that. Uh, but I do think they're like you said the best game they're gonna play. It has to be today if they want to steal one. Um, while the, while Phoenix is still getting adjusted, obviously only eight games together healthy, so that's gonna play into. That's going to play into fruition here with some familiarity and getting guys in the right spots. But I do think that the Clippers have been pretty good without them, nine and five straight up um, in a 14 game stretch without Paul George and with Kawhi. Um, they do a good job of defending without fouling, six in free throw rate defense. They shoot the three well, top five in uh, three point percentage offense. So if they can make some threes and put some pressure on Phoenix, I think that I think that they can you know at least be within a possession. Um, coming down the stretch now what they do to defend you know book and kd is something I'm, i, I want to see they do phoenix does foul a lot so if you look for Kawhi, Kawhi probably could shoot you know north of 10 free throws in this matchup their 30th and free throw percentage defense so you're going to get to the line when you're playing against phoenix's defense uh so i like the clippers here like you said i think they're gonna i think they can win this game i would look at phoenix early Clippers usually start off slow. So if you like Phoenix, I play them in the first quarter, first half, and come back with uh, the Clippers in the second half. But, yeah, give me Clippers plus the seven and a half. Yeah, this is going to be the biggest blue balls in the entire playoffs of everybody thinking this is going to be a good series. The first game is going to lead everybody to think this is going to be a good series. Gonna be, there's probably going to be an influx of bets for this game, this series, to go to seven after Phoenix gets an extremely close win at home. And it's going to be over in four. 
I, I don't. It's gonna be. Over. I, I think. I think it can go six, though. Really? No, <laughs> no, it's not. That's what everybody thinks, and I'm telling so, you, man. it's not. This is. This is going to be over in four or five games. This yeah. is probably gonna be the I best mean, game in the right, series. Man. I mean, I hope this you're is, right. I got a lot of money on on uh, Suns future, so I hope you're right. This is gonna be very. This is gonna be the best game in the series, and that's it. All right, total sitting at two twenty. Well, what is it at? No, it's not. That's the wrong thing. Uh, total sitting at two twenty-five and a half. Yeah, I like the under. I mean, I alluded to the defense whenever Kevin Durant's on the on the floor. I think both teams are pretty much a fill out process. Usually, most game ones are a fill out process for um, each team. Although the Clippers have been playing a little bit faster, they're pretty much a half court team. Um, both teams have been playing somewhat to the over as of late, but again, you got to filter out some of those, you know, lineup changes when guys were in the lineup, when guys were out of the lineup. So I think the Clippers played Portland, they played Phoenix without their guys, and uh, two other teams, and they flew over because they scored like 125. So I think they come back down to earth here, more of a half-court game. Both teams pretty efficient in the half-court, but defensively, uh, I think it's going to be a slugfest. Um, so I like the under here. Yeah, I like under. I just think that, like I said, Clippers come to play defensively in this game. I think Phil and Phoenix. Well, Clippers don't really have that many options to go to scoring the ball. I'm not gonna lie. So I don't. I just don't trust them to score. I actually like a Clippers team. No, Phoenix team total under. But I'd, I'd rather get the extra points with Phoenix. Phoenix team total under as well. But all right, props for this one. I told you. I think Kawhi Leonard has the long game that keeps them in this one uh chris paul assists probably mm, what's that nine and a half minus 105 i can see him with a double double pretty easily um i really don't want to be on too many scoring props because i do think that this is an under type of game where it's a little bit more gritty like grittier than what i would have thought but if i had to pick somebody hmm I don't know. I think it's the coin toss between Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. They both, but honestly, let's just go DeAndre Eaton. He's at 16 and a half. He has the size. Mm. I don't know. He gets kind of punked. He gets punked <laughs> by bigs, though. Uh, I can't I can't trust DeAndre Eaton. Honestly, does DeAndre Eaton get benched? No, at he some don't know. Not ain't benched. No, nah, I don't know. You've seen, we've seen him get benched before. Uh, Norman Powell really has to step up. So that's somebody that keep an eye on. I'm not really into a lot of props in this game one of this series. I think that this is, like I said, going to be a little bit more of a slug fight um, in this one. But I like, I think I want to go with Plumlee, though. Give me Plumlee over five and a half rebounds at plus 120. And just because I think that they actually, like, it. Zubak could not be on his team for the foreseeable future. I could really see that being a possibility because they just like they like the things that Plumlee can do offensively a lot more. Yes, Zubak's a better defender, but they feel like Plumlee can kind of integrate more, and they find ways to get him in, especially when Zubak is in foul trouble. They find ways to work him in and make him a really good player. And so in a game where I think that it's going to be more of a contested game that you're going to see a little bit more misses and you could potentially have foul trouble with Zubat in this game because you have a lot of guys that are going to be challenging him at the rim. Plumlee can actually receive the benefit of a lot of that coming off of the bench. So I like his over five and a half at plus 120. I feel like that's a great price. Yeah, so I like two. Um, I'm pretty much staying away from the point totals. Like you said, I want to see the rotations. I want to see uh, how Tyron Lue adjusts to without Paul George in a 
you know, a playoff setting. I want to see what they do with uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant's minutes, how they stagger them. But I do like Devin Booker over five and a half assists at plus 110. He's had five or more in eight of the last nine games, uh, along with going over this number in three of the last four. So his, his facilitating pretty much ramps up in the playoffs, and he's been like at an all-time high since the addition of, of KD. So with KD on the floor, he's averaging 6.9 assists per game. Small sample size, of course, you know, eight games. But from an eye test perspective, you can see he's seeing less double teams. He's uh, had more freedom to facilitate and dissect defenses. And you can see that his playmaking has went to another level. So I like him over five and a half assists at plus 110. Uh, You probably can get like plus 115 if you shop around. Uh, we talked about eight, and I like him under 10 and a half rebounds. You talked about Plumley and, and Zubak. I like the, the size and interior of the Clippers should keep eight off the glass. Um, he's averaging only nine rebounds um, per game with KD in the lineup. And most of his 10 rebound games have been against like smaller teams. Uh, I guess the Spurs, he had like 16. Mm-hmm. OKC, he had maybe like 11 or 12. So the Clippers can rotate those two bigs, and they're both going to be pretty physical with eight and you know, limit his opportunities. So he's under in six of the last eight games and has failed to reach double figures in uh, any game against the Clippers this year. I love that play. Um, those are the only two that I got. All right. Let's move on. If somebody asked KD or Kawhi for scoring, I would say Kawhi just because I think that, again, there's more scoring options for Kevin Durant has to battle with. Uh, I don't see top point scorer. I was trying to look and see what the odds for that well, was. DraftKings does a really good job with like uh, series scores and um, like who has the most assists. They do a good job of like player prop series stuff. Um, if, you, if people want to check that out, that's, they got a really good uh, menu. You're getting a better price with Kawhi over Kevin Durant for top point scorer. I would take Kawhi, I think. But if you're doing a head to head, I would probably take Kawhi over Kevin Durant in the head to head. All right. Last game of the slate, we have the Denver Nuggets going to play the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're coming into Denver for this game, minus 7.5, 224.5 is the total. Injury report for these two, we have Rudy Gobert questionable, Jalen Noel questionable, Jay McDaniels and Nas Reed, you know, are out. And then Jokic and Jamal Murray not on the injury report, of course, because they had this. that was just recovery time. All those guys are good to go. All right. Uh, much like the the um, Clippers uh, Phoenix game, I think that Minnesota. I think Minnesota actually can win a few games too. So I like them a lot in this spot. Um, they're twenty one and twenty ATS on the road. Denver twenty five fifteen ATS at home, but they do struggle against the more, I guess, physical teams. And Minnesota is somewhat of a physical team as far as I mean Denver. They're they're more finesse, but I think that the two big lineup could give Denver some troubles. Although. Jokic has pretty much owned them in the two games that he's played. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to do that anyway. It's just those other guys you got to contain. So I'm worried about Minnesota's turnovers, the 27th, the turnover percentage, like turn the ball over a ton. That could lead to fast break offense, um, easy fast break offense for Denver. But once they settle in in the half court, if we can get Anthony Edwards to be what other people, what people like myself think he is, then I think that they can score efficiently in the half court they got to get rudy gobert out of the paint to let these uh driving lanes open up for edwards and some of those other guys um yeah man i, I like minnesota a lot i'm pretty i'm pretty scared to to say that but i do like them a lot in this game um 
they they can do some things offensively that I think can give Denver some trouble. And defensively, even without McDaniels, I think they can make it hard for those other guys like Murray and KCP. Um, I do think Michael Porter Jr. has a good game. I'll touch on that later. But, yeah, give me Minnesota uh, plus the points, and I like them on the money line also. This has actually been the hardest game for me. Uh, I think I will reluctant. Like, I truly feel like I'm going to reluctantly take Minnesota. I don't, I don't. So, my issue here is what I don't know what production I'm getting from everybody else not named Carl Anthony Towns in this game for Minnesota. And I think I feel like me backing Minnesota is saying that I just trust that guys like Anthony Edwards are going to come up and show up, that Mike Conley is going to be decided to be a good player this game. Like, I'm just assuming these things, whereas I know the absolutes on the Denver side of the ball. I know Jokic is going to be there. I know Jamal Murray is going to be there. I know Michael Porter Jr. is going to be there. And so, I think I'm still going Denver. I think it's closer. But I I can just see them pulling away this being like an eight, nine-point win at the end of the game. And they're winning game one at home. I'm gonna reluctantly take Denver minus seven and a half. Uh, that feels that feels, uh, that feels a very public, but I'm gonna reluctantly take Denver minus seven and a half because I just think that there's too many offensive options for them on that side of the ball, and the loss of Jaden McDaniels in this series is huge, is absolutely huge. And I'm gonna talk about that in a second, and I just I just think that there's not enough. Like they're not going to be able to string up together enough stops towards the end of this game to keep me to keep Denver from not covering this number. Like it may be a close game for a good portion of the game, but when it comes time to get stops, it could be a one possession game with nine, eight, nine minutes left in the fourth, not getting any stops towards the end of the game. Next thing you know, you lose by ten. So, yeah, I'm going. I'm going Denver minus seven and a half here. Total. 224 and a half. What do you like there? I like the under. I think it's correlated. I think if you like Denver, you got to like the over. I'm thinking they control the tempo and they get in a up and down type of game. If you like Minnesota, then you want to drag out street fight. Um, I think they, I think that's what happens. They have to play slow at a slower pace. They got to slow the tempo down uh, and not let Denver get up and down because I mean, in transition, Denver is like amazing. So they're going to have to slow them down and get them in a half court game. Uh, and Minnesota is pretty bad in transition, 26 in transition points per position. Um, so they're going to want to have to get it slower pace game and, and get Anthony Edwards the ball and facilitate, uh, use Conley in the pick and roll. So, oh, no, no, not you, not you. That's for oh, Nick. Oh. <laughs> Nick. Nick is in the chat talking too much. We're talk, we're going to talk about that later. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I think the pick and roll with Conley and, and Gobert, um, I, I heard this from, I think, um, oh, Co- Kevin O'Connor uh, for the ringer. Uh, he said that uh, according to like second spectrum, Conley and Gobert's uh, pick and roll, second most effective 
uh, play for the for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that's in the NBA. No. So it's pretty effective. Uh, so if you can get that going, I think that could cause the Nuggets some problems. So I like the under. Yeah, I'm on the under just because I think that Minnesota is going to be dominating. Well, not dominating, but they're going to control the game to their aspect of, of limiting Denver and keeping themselves in the game for about three quarters. And, you know, that one quarter of where I can see Denver really exploding towards the end of that game and, and not being able to be stopped and for them to be able to go on a run, I see it happening in the fourth quarter. So I like the under as well. I think that it is a Minnesota's play style of game for majority of the game, but Denver ends up playing well late. And I've seen, I've personally seen this Minnesota team collapse against this Denver team. So I think that, um, I like my chances there. All right. Props. Um, what do I like? Oh, uh, the only person I think has a clear advantage is Michael Porter Jr. So I like the matchup for him, especially without McDaniels. He averaged 18 and a half in the regular season, and that was with McDaniels in the lineup. Um, so he's coming off a, you know, a good March where he was like shooting really good from three, 42%. He had at least three made threes in eight of the 13 games in that month. The Wolves struggle to defend and pick and roll. We saw it with uh, L.A. They kind of were getting confused. Um, are they supposed to switch? Are they supposed to trap? Are they supposed to blitz? Are they supposed to drop? Like, they were so confused, and that caused the Schroeder three. It caused the um, the LeBron, um, a barrage of LeBron three. So I think that that's going to be uh, in full effect tonight or today, whenever this game is. Uh, so I think he'll make him pay as a screener or a ball handler, uh, whichever he decides to do. So with some doubles, you know, constantly coming at Joker, uh, you know, big night from from Michael Porter. I think he has 25-26. Uh, yeah, I do like Michael Porter as well. And I think Jokic assists. I think that's how he gets his – I think that's the ladder for today. I think Jokic assists is the ladder for today. <laughs> I, I, I think that he – one, he's – so not willing to be a to be a scorer. Like he is so very good on being a scorer. I would not touch it. I, I don't even think he gets to 20. And I just think it's so funny. Like he has the best odds for top point scorer of this game at plus 190. Anthony Edwards is at plus 220. Carl Anthony Towns is all the way at plus 380. Like Jamal Murray's at plus 470. Michael Porter Jr. is 15 to 1. I would 100% sprinkle on Michael Porter Jr. to be top point scorer at 15 to 1. Matter that's of fact, true. let's make that official play. Like, top, Michael Porter Jr. 15 to 1 be top point scorer. I, Kat, I like Cat as well at plus 380. Jokic has proven that he truly only cares about triple doubles. He doesn't have to be a scorer. He can, but he's really good on it. And if Rudy Gobert ever wants to get his face back, it's by saying, oh, yeah, I held uh, Jokic to under 20 points in the first playoff game. Like like he didn't have 14, 15, 16 freaking assists in the game. So I think a Jokic assist is the way to go today. Like I'm looking at 12 plus assists at plus 310, 14 plus at plus 850. Like it would not be outside the realm possibility where I see Jokic just finish this game with like 15, 16 assists. All right. Um. Yeah, I like Cat today. I think Cat, like I, I said, I think Cat has a chance for top point score. I think Cat has a really good day. I don't know what I'm getting from Anthony Edwards. I'm really good on Anthony Edwards props. And yeah, I like the um Mike Conley assist as well at plus five at my at five and a half minus one eighteen. All right, that's about that for the slate. Let's get into our lock 
and Dog. Delonte, I will let you go first. What are you doing today? Yeah, so I'm going to lock up Memphis. Uh, minus three and a half. Is it minus three and a half still? Uh, let me just get uh, four. Four? Okay, yeah, I'll take the four. Uh, went over earlier. I think they control the tempo. I think they get out, run. I don't think the Lakers will be able to score defense, score as, as easy as, um, as they did against Minnesota, obviously. So I like Memphis. I play it on a play it on the money line, just split half unit, money line, half unit minus the four. As for the dog, we're gonna go back to Minnesota. I think they can win it outright. Obviously, love them um in this spot. So give me Minnesota uh as my dog. Okay. How do I play this? For my lock, we are going to the Clippers plus seven and a half. I'm telling you, they're going to cover somehow, some way, some like this is going to be this is going to be such a blue balls for everybody that has a Clippers ticket in their hand. It's going to be the mate like like if you ever, ever thought you were contrarian, a contrarian type sharp and you, for having a Clippers ticket in your hand, this is going to be the ultimate blue balls for you because they're going to make you think that they have a chance in this series and they're 100 percent don't. So Clippers plus seven and a half. For my dog, I'm going to go with Jokic. Let me play that Jokic assist because I really think Jokic is going to get the ball out and get it and spread the ball around. I will take. I will go to the middle portion of the ladder and I'll take him at twelve plus assists at plus three ten. I think this is a very, very big assist ball handling day for Jokic, especially because I think that for a majority of the game, Minnesota is going to keep them in the game until they pull away. So Jokic is out have to play a ton of minutes and make a lot of playmaking and do a lot of playmaking with the ball in his hands. Okay, to end the show with the largest comeback prop. I am torn between taking Phoenix to trail by 10 plus and win the game at plus 420 and taking Denver to trail by 10 plus and to win by uh to win the game which is plus 420 so I'm gonna take both <laughs> I don't know Scott is that is it do I cheat am I cheating if I take both Scott I mean they're both plus 420 now, Scott took Scott took both sides last night yeah yeah so I, I feel like I'm gonna take both yeah I, I'm not I'm not I'm not yeah, no, this is because Minnesota absolutely can be up in this game and uh, the Clippers as well, especially because if the Clippers get out early, like the confidence booster that they have. Um, I think that this is. Yeah, so I'm going Clippers and Denver. No, Suns and Denver, both the trail by 10 plus and then end up winning. Somebody said Minnesota trail by 15 and a win. What is that? That's probably super juiced. That's 19 to one. Yeah, best of luck to you. <laughs> I'd hope you don't get it because I'm on Denver today, but if you do, best of luck. All right. Everybody, make sure you follow us on at SGP and NBA on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube, NBA Gambling Podcast, and like, subscribe, review, do all of those things. You know where to find us on social media. It's everywhere plastered. I'm going to give you your time back because we went a little bit over, but it is all right. So, I have nothing else to say, nothing else to do. No other way of ending podcast. Just going to end it like this. We are out of here.